0: It's Vodka O'Clock, and I'm Amber Love of AmberUnmasked.com. Today, I'm talking with Paul Aller about clockwork and comics that he's edited. Paul, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, it's good to be here.
0: So, um, well, yes, I am, in fact, drinking vodka since I'm finally recording something at an appropriate hour. Um, But, uh, so it's cocktail time for me, but we're here to talk about comics, unless you have a favorite drink recipe that you really feel like sharing. I'm good. You're good? Yeah open bottle. Let's just twist off cap. Pretty much, yeah. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Um, All right, so Paul Aller is here, and um, I've known him for a couple years, and we're going to talk about how uh, his experience breaking into comics has been, and we're going to start with some really simple background. What is your history with comics?
1: Sure. Um, It's actually a little, probably a little different than a lot of Comics writers, not not all by any means, because I really didn't read comics very much uh, at all when I was a kid. I mean, I think I had a little bit of exposure to them once in a while. Uh, probably the biggest one was um, when I was ten. I, I really liked the the first Tim Burton Batman movie, and my parents, I guess they were in a bookstore and they saw the um, the the Grant Morrison Dave McKean uh, graphic novel Arkham Asylum there. And they were like, "Hey, Batman! Call my Batman movie. Let's get this for him." So, I was the first comic I guess technically ever read was when it was just, just incredibly age inappropriate, inappropriate. <laughs> dark. Uh, well, no, and, and I really enjoyed it, um, but but I think that even at that age, I kind of recognized that this probably wasn't typical of most comic books, and so it didn't get me into the the medium, uh, at, at all. But I do think it had a big impact on my writing, uh, in general, even though it was, you know, like 20 years before I started actually writing comics. Uh, so, you know, I mean, so I, I, had a little bit of exposure to other comics here and there as a kid, I think just like most, most kids do. Uh, but it wasn't until I was like 28 and when a coworker of mine, uh, knew that I was a, a fan of Joss Whedon. And so he got me a copy of the first, uh, trade of Whedon's run on Astonishing X-Men. And I was just absolutely blown away by it. And I think the second trade was out uh, by then at that point. So I got that one too. And I went into my comic book store and the first single issue I ever bought was um, Astonishing X-Men number 16 or maybe 15 or 17. It was the one with the, um, the, the Hellfire Club on the cover. And I had, you know, no idea who any of those characters were. So I was really just, you know, jumping in blind to the whole thing. But I just, I really loved the heck out of it. And, uh... Started buying other things, and I was kind of blown away by the the storytelling potential of the medium. Since I'd always been a writer, and I kind of I kind of recognized that it played to my strengths fairly well. And I liked the fact that the storytelling potential of comics really is just so incredibly vast. Um, and it, it, it appealed to me that you didn't have to worry about didn't have to worry about budget. You know, you didn't have to worry about a lot of the other things that that, that hem you in uh, with other with other mediums and so I started writing them and here I am five years later
0: Right, with your, you know, if you're talking about a great idea for a, a television series obviously that's you know, monumental compared right. to I want to write a comic right. um, and it's interesting that you mentioned Joss Whedon as something that brought you in because um, the first two comics I ever subscribed to were, was Marvel Civil War and Buffy the Vampire Slayer <laughs>
1: That's awesome.
0: That's what brought me in. And, you know, and I've gone up and down like everybody else. I've gone, you know, I had like, you know, a pull list of 30 and now I'm down to two. Right. You know, that's, you know, I'm a big fan of the trades. So. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: And I think more and more people are going to be heading that way because it's just a more pleasurable experience reading it, reading that way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, you said that you've been a writer for as long as you can remember. So is that something that your family was always nurturing and supportive of while you were growing up?
1: Um I yeah, I mean yeah, they weren't they weren't discouraging, you know, but I don't think they were like, Yes, be a writer, go out there and and do that either I mean <laughs> maybe that maybe that sounds bad uh, they, they definitely weren't discouraging at all and, and, and yeah, my mom, my mom definitely was always always encouraging um you know she's always been my biggest fan I've kind of joked that i could uh I could write a grocery list and she would read it and just think it was the, the the greatest thing in the world, but I mean yeah no they 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 never really um really did a lot to try to push me in any one direction, just kind of let me do my thing
0: well, what was your um focus of study in school
1: uh journalism at first uh and then i flunked out and then i flunked out again um and i and i dropped out in between the two flunk outs um (laughs) then uh so then i became a journalist um and just a couple years ago i went back to school and finished up my my bachelor's and and got a master's degree in public management. And it was actually while I was getting my master's in public management that I really started getting serious about writing comics. So that was, that was good timing, you know, that I, uh, that I was actively pursuing a degree that was already kind of useless for what I wanted to do in the future.
0: <laughs> That's how I feel about mine too.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, yeah. Journalism is like, I mean, it's, it, it's definitely important when it comes to learning things like deadlines and learning about Writing craft, yeah you know, even though it's you know typically uncreative i mean there's there's journalism out there that that can be creative, but the type of stuff that we were doing was typically your town meeting coverage and stuff that puts people to sleep
1: i yeah, I've always found that that i mean i I did cover government, and i I never really found it to be uncreative i mean it wasn't it wasn't fiction obviously, but but you are definitely you know not not really crafting a narrative because that makes it sound like you're sending the story in a certain direction but you are i think trying to convey complex issues in a way that's um lively and easy to understand and i think there's a certain amount of creativity in 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 the craft of that so yeah i, I actually found it really um really fulfilling um, i found
0: yeah i found the editing much more exciting yeah you know lay, learning about layouts and that was you know my school had one Mac computer and Adobe Print Shop or something. I think it was all just pagemaker or something. You know, it was like before the days of Photoshop. Right. Um, there was no such thing as, as Illustrator in my school. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: but, you know, we still got out the rubber cement and glued our <laughs> our newspaper article.
1: Nice. <laughs>
0: I'm so old. I'm such an old old
1: fart. I think when, yeah when when I was in college, I think that there were like people there who could remember when we were doing that, but, but we weren't, you know? So I think I was like shortly after the transition to really the more heavily digital process.
0: Yeah, I did. Like I said, I did really love when there was creative potential. When I, when I really started to take notice of magazines, like, um, you know, like Martha Stewart living, and you know things of that nature. Things that that had these creative components surrounding them. Right. Talking about the local police blotter. You know, somebody tipped a cow. I mean, it just
1: <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> um, can you remember something uh, from your childhood that you thought you wrote and was really? A driving force, and you thought, "Wow, I really stand a chance doing this."
1: Something I wrote.
0: Yeah. Do you remember anything like um, you you have to write stories for English class? Yeah,
1: yeah. I think I, I can definitely remember a couple of prose pieces that I wrote, and you know, at the time, I thought, "Wow, these are these are really really great." I mean, you know, when I would look back at them years later, I would realize that I was very 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 wrong about that <laughs> but um but yeah at the time i thought they were fantastic um yeah and and then as a in my journalism career you know like in my, in my early 20s there were a couple of pieces that i did that and i think that was when i really started to to find my voice and figure out what i wanted to do uh with with my writing i i, I did one story that that won a, a couple of awards about a um uh, a young man who was in a uh, really horrible uh, motorcycle accident and ended up over the course of a year having like five of his organs transplanted. Um, and I did the story I think on the, yeah, yeah, I believe it was the one-year anniversary of, of when he had had the accident. Uh, and I was really really proud of that one. And then I did a story about a gentleman uh, living here in in the town I live in who was actually on um, on on death row. He was, and I did a story about his uh, his execution. And I basically went back and talked to a lot of people from his life, uh, the families of his victims, but also his family and people who had known him. And I more or less did a story about his history and how he had come to to be where he was. Um, And I I think what really appeals to me about writing is is the ability to tell tell people stories uh, and tell stories that that help you relate to and empathize with people who you, you might not have. You know, I, I'm just really interested in very character-driven stories. Actually, the final story in Clockwork, uh, X-Row, is, is very, very loosely based on on that guy. I took a lot of a lot of liberties with it because it was fiction. But, um, yeah, and I actually got a... Uh, probably one of the nicest letters I've ever I've ever received I got a letter from a a death row inmate who I guess was one one cell over from from this guy and was was good friends with him telling him that my article had made made its way up there after the execution and how much they all really appreciated the fact that I had you know talked about the the human aspects of of this guy who had just been executed for for murder
0: that's pretty incredible
1: yeah yeah it was really interesting
0: that's wow! I can't even imagine having having something that created so much impact to somebody's life. Yeah. Um, you you seem to be um, I don't know embracing notions of the sympathetic antagonist, if you will. Uh, is there something in your your creative bag of tricks that you know, you always think about and you always think you need to like pull that out to twist a story. And that's it's something that I've noticed was, was the twist that, you know, right. it's, it's not quite what you're looking for. It's like, Oh, you think this is a big, scary monster, but it's really, uh, you know, it, something in need.
1: Right. Well, I think just the fact that recognizing that I don't want to say everyone, but most everyone does have good aspects to them, you know, no matter what the other things they've done and I mean given the choice between writing a character who's pure evil and writing a character who's more three-dimensional than that, why wouldn't you do the second one just because it makes for it makes for much a much better story um, and I know that this this didn't end up in the, um, in the in the clockwork story but one of the things about the uh, the, the gentleman uh, on death row was that I met with his, um, his his daughter-in-law and his and his grandkids and you know they talked about visiting him. At the prison, and you know, hanging out with him in his cell, and you know, and he, he basically saying that they uh, he was just like their other grandfather to, to them. You know, he would goof around with them, and, and so yeah, uh, and, and so, yeah. So I, I don't I don't think it's so much a bag of tricks as it is just just recognizing that that there are other facets to explore to people, and it makes for a better for a better story if you do. And I mean, it, this is kind of a cliche, but I think it's really true that no one sees themselves as the villain of their own story. And so I think it's, you know, you always have to keep that in mind as well.
0: Sure. I, I, you know, Magneto is is always the first one that comes to mind for me because I, I love him so much as a character
1: mm-hmm.
0: and thought he you know, was done really well in the the movies.
1: Right.
0: Um, do you think that heroes have too much um, potential to be boring?
1: by how they're written these days um I, I I guess if you write them that way sure but 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 I, I certainly don't think that's that's inherent I mean when you see a potential yeah I mean they definitely have the potential to be boring but I, I definitely don't think that they that they have to be um, at the same time I also you know I think a hero can be both interesting without being you know and tortured and he's the anti-hero and we're showing what's really going on beneath the surface. <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I've, I've enjoyed a lot of those stories, so I'm yeah. not, you know, I'm not dismissing them altogether, but I do think that a lot of people seem to think that that's the way to make a hero interesting is to make him really dark. And I do think that that, that wholesome people who are trying to do the right thing, um, can be very interesting characters as well.
0: That's, um, it, it's something that comes up a lot with the comparisons between Superman and Batman, as mm-hmm. far as m- mainstream books go. Right. And um, when somebody does try to take the risk and make Superman less than a Boy Scout,
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, there's so much heat and so much debate about y- you've taken America's sweetheart and you know the planet's sweetheart and savior and you're trying to turn him into Batman by making him gritty, right? And, and I, I think what you're saying is a, a really good point that you can still be a good guy and have problems and have flaws. And you know, how would how would you address Superman? <laughs>
1: um, well, I have to admit, I haven't really read a lot of Superman. I sounds, haven't read a whole which lot sounds either. Sounds horrible. Um, yeah, boy, um, I I would have to. I would have to really give that give that some thought. I mean, anytime I'm approaching a character, I like to really think about them and you know, and, and write about them quite a bit and really think about it. But um, I, I,
0: my I, greatest comics exposure is actually reading the the combo book Superman Batman. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think I had the Superman solo title on my full list for very long.
1: Right. Right um but yeah i mean so i i may sound really ignorant saying this because i haven't read enough superman to really know what the what the core of his character in his current iteration is but it seems to me like this is a guy who you know who has this extraordinary power obviously and he owes a lot to this this planet and this society you know because he's he's not from here um but he was he was raised here uh and i think that's that's kind of an interesting dynamic is that it is someone who feels like he really does need to give back as much as possible because he he owes a lot to to the people and the place that have that have nurtured him and yet when you have that much power there always becomes a question of how do you strike that balance of giving back versus having your own life you know, um, I mean, at, at what point are, are, do you get to the point where the balance is tipped over, and and you're giving so much of yourself that that you're damaging your own ability to to live a normal life? And I'm sure that's been done twelve million times before, and I just have never read them. But off the top of my head, I think that's probably what I would hook into and explore at least initially.
0: I think that's a, a pretty fair psychological assessment of just anyone because I know um, there have been, like you said, a million characters even that have had daddy issues, but yet there's always the storyline of, well, why did you make that decision? You know, even though, you know, why did you break the law and let your criminal father get away with something? You know, that's right. it's been done a million times, but it, it's, as you're saying, right. you feel like you owe something and that's what you're putting you know that character is about
1: and and something i, I like about about genre fiction uh, in general and superheroes would obviously fall into that as well is the fact that is that when you have a genre where where certain things are are exaggerated or are focused on more than they they are in in our normal world it, it really allows you to to write about larger-than-life examples of everyday things. So I think it's interesting that you say that. You know, that, yeah, a lot of people do feel that way. But because Superman has has greater power than than any of us will ever know, you're able to to hook into that and really really drill down on it um, to a much greater extent than if you're writing about you know Bob from down the street. And that. so yeah.
0: So then you know, since Batman was your catalyst for comics. <laughs> would you would you uh prefer the dark gritty brooding batman over you know biff bam pow batman well you know
1: I, I i think when i when i think back on that on that book the joker is really the character i remember more than batman um, oh boy yeah so no, um yeah i i, I yeah I like how Batman is being written now by, 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 Scott Snyder. I really think that that has struck a good balance. And I mean, when I was talking about the, you know, you don't always have to be really gritty. I, I was thinking more of, you know, the books where they give their characters just these, you know, these just huge, ugly character flaws. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah. I, I don't think Batman falls into that category as he's written. I think he's a very complex character, Um, but I don't think anyone would look at him and go, you know, my God, this guy is really messed up to the point where, well, actually, yeah, maybe they would, but Mm -hmm. you know what I'm saying? I mean, I, I think a lot of times the, the, the idea is that, you know, okay, well, he's, he's our Superman analog, but you know, but he lusts after children on the side, you know, and he, he kicks puppies and, um, (laughs) and you certainly don't have that kind of thing with, with, with Batman. But yeah I really do think they they're they're portraying him as a really interesting character with a really good balance in that regards right now.
0: One of the things that I was talking with my comic shop owner about yesterday was about uh, the relationships and how um, uh, how how it seems like obviously there's certain things that are written in just for reader appeal, um, you know controversy about uh, giving, giving Batman a female love interest because he was hanging around with this, you know, boy wonder and it was too creepy and
1: mm-hmm.
0: um, giving him female companionship. And uh, so he's had countless women in his stories. Superman has Lois Lane and Spider-Man has Gwen Stacy and Mary Jane. And yet when it comes to somebody like Wonder Woman, it's like um, there's sort of Steve Trevor... And back in the... I think it was back in the 60s or 70s, it was, you know, she was pining away and, you know, couldn't wait for Steve Trevor to pop the question and stuff like that. But it, as far as, like, today's comics go, it, it, she seems so neglected and, un, like, I don't know, boring, as, as you're saying, when it comes to trying to make a three-dimensional character that, that nobody's been able to come up with a substantial, well-rounded version of Wonder Woman. She's just either a warrior, or she's bland, or she's too foreign, and yet you know, other characters seem to have it easier. I'm just not sure why Why Wonder Woman seems so difficult for a writer.
1: I honestly I, I don't... I don't have anything intelligent to say about that. Um, since as little Superman as I've read, I've read even less even less Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah. I, you know, and I think that's, I don't think that's a strange thing to say because mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. she's iconic, and yet most people have never read a Wonder Woman comic before.
1: Right. Oh, and to be fair, I mean, I there's a lot of stuff I've never read. I mean, it's, it's, it's kind of funny that I'm, you know, trying my best to become a professional writer, and yet when I'm around comic books fans, there's just so many references to storylines and characters that they'll casually mention and I just am <laughs> in the dark. So Well,
0: it's a, it's a huge <laughs> body of literature. Yeah,
1: exactly. It really you know, is. So, yeah.
0: When it comes to the independent scene, uh, you know, I barely have a clue about the mainstream stuff, so I'm just learning about the independent work. Right. Uh, you know, uh, only, only cracking the surface on some of the big, what I call the big indies big and he's like a dark horse and image and,
1: right
0: you know but um luckily you and I are surrounded by a bunch of people at all times that are uh also trying to I don't know f- you know find their way into usually the independent scene
1: right yeah um and I, I think actually I um I, I still write, I still read a fair amount of, of of Big Two books, but I read a lot more a lot more stuff from I don't even know if I would, you know, characterize Dark Horse as being independent, but you know, from the from the non Big Two stuff, you I know, mean, I think of the especially the recent books that have really come out the gate and appealed to me. Uh The Secret History of D. B. Cooper, uh, from Oni Press was a really amazing book. Uh Profit from Image. Um I just read Friends with Boys by Faith Aaron Hicks from a believe, First Second, and that really Blew me away. I thought it was an awesome book. So, I, it, yeah, I, it does seem like. I mean, there are exceptions. I mean, you know, Daredevil is is amazing. I really love what Jeff Parker is doing with with with, with Hulk and you know Batman Scott Snyder run. But um, it, it does seem like there's a lot more stuff coming out from the non big two that that I'm really latching onto right now. Um, and, and again, that's not to disparage. The big two at all because I think a lot of these things are cyclical and you know in a couple of years that'll that might be completely reversed.
0: I think things like Kickstarter have made an enormous impact on bringing light to the independent comic scene.
1: Right. And
0: um, you know then there's just the sheer fact of online interaction and things like comics experience. and um, I was talking and in, in interviewing with Amy Chu and Georgia Lee, who are also alums from, from the workshop.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And it, all of us have such completely different backgrounds and come from everywhere geographically you can imagine, and yet we've found this connection with comics. Right. Um, how, how do you think it's affected... Your life,
1: comics experience. Yeah, um, yeah. I guess for for people who don't know what it is, I uh, should probably explain. Uh, comics experience is a um, it's it's uh, run by Andy Schmidt, a former uh, editor at Marvel and IDW, who works at Hasbro now. And comics experience basically offers uh, classes uh, in in writing, art, coloring, uh, lettering, pretty much every facet of of comics creation. And also has a creators workshop where people can get together and and you know trade critiques on their work, talk about talk about issues, uh, networking, all that all that good stuff. And yeah, it's, it's had a huge impact on me. I mean i i took the I took my first comics experience course, I guess, a couple of years ago now. And before I took it, I just had absolutely no clue what I was doing I had very little clue what I was doing in terms of the writing but I especially had absolutely no clue on how to go about breaking in uh, to the industry and, and you know what 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 my expectations should be and how to go about meeting those expectations and I know that if I hadn't taken the classes that I did and if I hadn't signed up for the workshop that I would still uh, to this day be you know writing but I would be floundering around in terms of Trying to get anything done, I, I wouldn't have put out Clockwork. Uh, I wouldn't be you know, talking to the people that I've been talking to, and you know, getting some of the opportunities that I've that that I've been getting. I just it, I, I just know that for for a certainty. So it, it's absolutely changed my life in that regard. no question.
0: Do you think you would have made it uh, this far into comics without it?
1: No, I mean, yeah, that's what I'm saying. I think I would still be. I would still be writing scripts, but I would have no idea how to go about getting them produced. Um, and, yeah, and, and I would still have rather ridiculous expectations about about what I, what steps I needed to take to, to, to make things happen.
0: And from comics experience, you created an amazing graphic novel collection called Clockwork mm-hmm. with um, various artists. You got the most incredible, Incredible artistic talent on the book, and you use that in a very interesting way. When I bumped into you in, in New York, you're um, as writers, I feel like okay, what do we do? I mean, the best we can do is like hand somebody a business card at a, at a show, and you know, hope that they'll be interested in hearing a pitch someday. But you took this uh, graphic novel that you put together yourself and had a great printing job by the way who printed it um, and you, you know, use that as your portfolio
1: yeah pretty much uh, what, what, what clockwork is is um, it's basically a series of five-page comics um, there's 12 of them so like 60 pages of content in all uh, and it's done with with 12 different artists and one of the things that, that, that Andy Schmidt talks about in the comics experience classes is that if you can write a five-page comic, then you can write a longer comic because they're they're much tougher from a from a craft standpoint. So I really took that to heart. Um, and after after our, our initial class, uh, and we, we all wrote a five-page comic in the class. But after that, I kept I kept writing them, and I I intentionally made the collection very diverse in terms of they have all different genres uh some of them are rather straightforward narratives while some of them experiment with the form a little bit more um and and like you said I, I kind of used it as my portfolio piece i went in unfortunately realizing that i would that i would lose an arm and a leg on it uh and i have not been disappointed in that regard um but, uh, <laughs> I I was really envious of the fact that artists, you know, had these portfolios that they could just hand to editors and, you know, boom, there you go. Uh, And so I kind of thought of this as my portfolio piece that had the five page stories. And a lot of editors prefer to see something smaller from someone when they're first talking to them, both because, like I was saying, because of what Andy says about, about the the craft standpoint of it. You can really see someone's craft in an extremely, short story that has no room for error and and no room for any, any, any fat. Um, And, and so it was kind of the best of both worlds in that it it showed them that I was able to put together this, this large, uh, this large project, but at the same time they could sit down and in just a couple of minutes, read one of my stories, you know, it's, it's very little, it's very little commitment to just crack it open, read the first story. If you don't like it, Close it, and if you like it, you know, go on. And and worst case scenario, you you wasted two or three minutes of your life. So, yeah, and, and um, so in order to to get it out there, I pretty much sent it to to almost every editor in the industry. Well, I shouldn't say that because I mean there are so many, so many, so many publishers out there. But I sent it to every editor at about I think a dozen different. Different publishers, um, and because I I read a lot of comics, I was able to take a look at the credits and and you know talk about most of their work uh, in the letter, and and it, it worked it worked pretty well for me. It's led to a lot of networking opportunities and some cool stuff that will probably be coming to fruition over the next several months.
0: That's great. There's yeah. nothing you can announced quite yet nope nope okay is there anything coming out this year that you can talk about
1: yeah um in terms of writing uh the, probably the the only thing is that i um i'm doing a a, a short story in the uh, oxymoron one shot that comics tribe is putting together um Tyler James, he has a series called The Red Tin and this oxymoron one shot is an offshoot of that where he has several writers and artists who are doing short stories about this character and I'm working with artist Aaron Houston on that which I'm really excited about Uh, Aaron did the story X-Row and Clockwork and he did the cover and I'm working with him on a couple of the things too and he's just a, a great guy and a really great collaborator so I'm very excited to be to be hooked up with him again on this um yeah, and I'm putting together some some creator-owned stuff that I'm pitching around. But that's it for what I can announce uh, at this time. And believe me, when that changes, I will be shouting to the high heavens and, <laughs> and emailing and calling every single person I've ever met in my entire life. <laughs>
0: um, what do you find is the best way of shouting from the rooftop and stuff like huh. that?
1: <laughs> you know i i I am awful at social media despite the fact that I use it a lot um i i I, I look at some guys who are just so incredible at, about using twitter and facebook and, and and building an audience um and and hooking up with other people and I pretty much am very very scattershot you know i mean if something if i something looks interesting to link to or something pops into my head I'll put it on twitter or on facebook but I don't really Have any kind of um, plan of how I'm doing that or any consistency and that's I know something that I need to work on because you know these days you really need to be your own best marketing person Um, so but yeah I I think that the um, I really do think that personal connections help I mean I know I see a lot of people just kind of sending out blasts to to everyone they know exactly you know and i mean i think it's all about building a relationship and you know the thing about when i sent out so many copies of my book is that like i said i really did take the time to to look at each person i was sending it to to look at the work they do and to and to address them as as an individual and i mean it was it was a ton of work i mean i sent out i think. I sent out a little over a hundred copies of my book That's and a lot of shipping. Yeah. It, oh God. It was a lot of shipping. Yes. Uh, and, and I did, I did an individualized cover letter for, for every single one. And it was just exhausting and it was a lot of late nights, but you know, I, I but I would have not felt right about just sending someone a book with, you know, to whom it may concern. I hope you enjoy this. Attached <laughs> periodical and you know please contact me if you have any openings on fill in the name of your project here so yeah I, I I mean it wouldn't have been as effective and I would not have felt felt good about that because I would have felt like I was wasting their time and and, and not showing the proper respect to the hard work that they put in uh, in the industry.
0: Okay and if you were to go back and uh, somewhat back in time and be able to meet yourself when you were trying to break in. This is a a question, by the way, from from Joey Groa. Um, Wants to know what advice you'd give yourself.
1: I should have had something longer ready to put out right after Clockwork came out. Um, That's the biggest mistake I've made is that I put all my effort into these five page stories and I got that out there, and then I started working on something longer. and as a result, those efforts are just now starting to to come to fruition and I've had you know I've had a couple conversations with editors where they've been like, you know, they they've said that they did enjoy clockwork, and then they've said, you know they have something in the twenty two page range that I can see, you know and I'd be like, "Awesome, no, no, <laughs> I don't. Damn it! Um, so, so I very clearly realized that that, that, that was a big mistake. Um, yeah. So that's that's probably the biggest thing is that is, is that I looked at it too much as one project at a time instead of instead of overlapping. And so now I have I have really several things that I'm working on at the same time, so that when they start to come out, there will there will not be a large pause in between things.
0: One of the things that um, I think it's it's great when we can all admit where our our weakness is, and that there's no way we can know everything. Not all of us are Darwin Cook. Um,
1: right. Well, I have so so many weaknesses that you know I, <laughs> I can go ahead and list twenty or thirty, and still have a couple hundred that I'm keeping to myself. It's cool. <laughs>
0: um, like when I was reading your your blog about um, designing the cover for Clockwork. Yeah. And how it took an army
1: of. <laughs> yeah, <was> a pain. <laughs> To make
0: a cover. And because, you know, the hilarity and sincerity just comes out about, you know, I'm a writer and I thought I could design this. And it was right. like. You
1: know. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I took a pass at designing it. And then um, Rich, 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 Rich duick, another uh, Comics Experience member, uh, and who was a designer, very kindly. Took a look at it and then I asked and
0: he's him, like, Oh, you suck.
1: Well yeah, no, no, it's because I, I asked him just, you know, would you mind would you mind looking at this and letting me know what you think? And he wrote back, um, like, you know, which would, would you mind sending me over the illustrator file? I, I like to play around with this a little bit. So I was like, Okay. <laughs> I kinda think I know what that means. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I I did and he sent back something that had like the basically the same the concept that I was going for, but he actually knew how to do it, you know, and it just looked it just looked absolutely gorgeous. Um, you met
0: your specs. That's important. You know right.
1: Right. Um, yeah. So, so he he really uh, designed that um, with, you know, me kind of saying, here's what I'm thinking. And then I would go in and you know move a line or two. Um, <laughs> And and the, uh, the the art, like I said, was done by by Aaron Houston, and that was really fun because uh, he 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 was able to do um, several characters in the different stories on the cover, right. and it was really I I just admire artists. Which
0: helps because yeah, so it reflected much. what was inside. Yeah, I mean.
1: yeah, yeah, and, and I mean I, art is just some. Speaking of weaknesses, you know, art is just something that I'm just completely hopeless at. Um, I mean, it's, it's you know, I. I I'm, I'm not saying I'm not saying about designs of these different characters and do something that's absolutely on model and yet also looks cohesive that they're all in, in, in his style, you know, and, and, and it was a beautiful work. And then, uh, and then we got, um, Matt Wilson to, to, to color it. Uh, Matt Wilson has done a, a, a ton of stuff. I think he's, he's on wonder woman, uh, right now he did a uh, wonderful red skull book that, uh, that Greg Pack did a while back, uh, and several other things. Um, phonogram, the, the the new volume of Phonogram, that I'm very very excited about. And and he just, I mean, he just blew it away with the colors. I, mean, I was very lucky that he was willing to do that, and and so the, those 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 three guys really made my cover look. Amazing. And so, I lesson
0: would, learned is when you think that you can do something like color it yourself, and just what do you mean? I need to hire a colorist?
1: Right. Well, yeah, no, I definitely never thought I could color it myself. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't that delusional. Um, the design, yeah, I thought I would take a stab at it, um, and, and and I still kind of try to. You
0: basically with, did. You gave. I mean, you gave your 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 rough spends.
1: Like right. So. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I mean, I I, I still I still messed around with design a little bit, and at some point I would like to actually take some some design courses, not necessarily to be able to to do all the design myself, but just to understand it. I mean, I, I took an art class through Comics Experience Exit, like even though I'm not an artist at all, to be able to understand that aspect of it, of it better. And I think design is something that a lot of, especially newer comics writers uh, who are putting out their own stuff, really don't get how incredibly important it is to to professionalism. Uh, design and the lettering is the other one. I, I took I took the comics experience yes. lettering class that Dave Sharp teaches. And I, I really, you know, I didn't have the proper respect for what letterers do until I took that class. And also, I kind of felt like after I took that class, I would be able to letter. I didn't realize that the, the proper order was take that class put in hundreds and hundreds of hours of practice (laughs) and then you'll be able to letter. Uh, And so I I did letter almost every story in clockwork except for a couple that the the artists lettered themselves. And it's funny because I actually did the lettering as the stories came in. And then when I was going to go to print, I looked at some of these stories that I'd lettered early on, and I was like, "Oh no, this won't do." <laughs> so, so I had to go back and re-letter several of them.
0: See, I know I can't do it, so I have the utmost expect for, respect for good lettering because I'm—I uh, can't imagine what sort of creptacular end product would come out if I tried to do something like that myself. Right,
1: right. Yeah, I don't think I'm great at it, but I do think I've gotten at least good at it um, through through a lot of practice, and it's something that I really enjoy doing, which I didn't. I didn't expect, you know, I definitely thought it would just be something that I would learn to do, you know, to, to help save money on my projects and to understand it better. I didn't think it would be something that I really get into and, and, and enjoy a lot as a, as a, as a puzzle um, and as a lesson in design flow and storytelling. That's good.
0: And it's, uh, um, you know, talking about comics experience and turning this into a big commercial for them. Absolutely. Um, Let's do it. (laughs) You, you, did you need to know anything before taking that class?
1: The lettering class? Um, no, not really. I think a little more um, knowledge of Illustrator would have helped. But the flip side of that is that mine was the first lettering class, and I think that they've taken that into account in the in the in the subsequent classes but even then it wasn't like some huge roadblock it just would have it, it would have helped if I hadn't gotten in completely blind on illustrator and like I said I mean I was able to I got through the class and I was able to get to the point where I'm able to do my own lettering so I and I started from nothing so obviously it it, it worked for me
0: I think that's that's very very impressive um, because like I, I said I'm somebody who hasn't the slightest clue like I I would print something out and I would draw on it with white out and a sharpie Right. if I if I were because I, I'm also like not that into the technology of, of software as far right, as uh, right. what goes into making a comic
1: yeah yeah I actually um yeah hand lettering that's just another um, that just blows me away and, and I know I would never be able to to do that this when I was talking to someone I started taking the lettering class and and they said oh is it a they're teaching you hand lettering you know not many people use that anymore I said no no they're they teaching lettering on the computer and the person said, well, why do you have to take a class for that? You just, you know, make the bubbles and put the text in. I'm like, <laughs> no, that is, that is not correct. Um, a little bit more to it than that. Um,
0: yeah, I completely understand. Um, and then uh, I interviewed uh, Thomas Boatwright, Tom Boatwright, recently, who uh, worked on one of my stories, Slim and Posh, and he let me know that he was working on one of your stories. Yes. And um, he sent in a question. He said, "What is it wor- like working with And I Oh, it was awful. Was it awful? he was a complete terrible. ass, wasn't he? <laughs>
1: no, it was. It was fantastic. Uh, he did a story called Dead Man, which is actually going in Clockwork Volume Two. It's not in this first book, um, and it, it's a story that I really feel like the art. Would make or break it. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, it's there's a lot of There's a certain amount of subtlety to it um, and so yeah, I I, Unless you see the story what I'm saying doesn't really make sense. I'll just leave it at that. But um The reason
0: that that I thought of him is because one of the things he said was that he hates lettering and yet He's so good at it.
1: Well, that's interesting. Um, yeah, but yeah, he uh, he he knocked it out of the park. I mean, it was it was awesome. I, I basically just had to send him the script, and then I started getting amazing stuff back. Um, and, and one thing that I love about working with artists in general is that you you learn so much from every artist that you work with about about storytelling, um, you know, about so many aspects of of comics. And, and he actually did make some 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 changes to to my script in terms of combining a couple panels. Uh, and
0: yeah, he's very confident that way. I love yeah,
1: that. yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I looked at it and, and I was like, oh, okay, I, I can I can see why this this makes it a lot a lot smoother yeah. uh, and, and 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 more 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 compact. Um, so yeah, it, it was a uh, i i learned I learned a lot just from from looking at at those changes. And I also appreciated that because I really like to work with artists who, uh, who see themselves as being a major part of the process, you know, as opposed to just, you know, send me the script and I'll, I'll knock oh, it, I'll it out. will knock yeah. it out and send it back to you, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I was very lucky in clockwork that, 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 you know, pretty much everyone I worked with was that way. That like They all brought a tremendous amount to the table and quite frankly made, me look better than i had any right to i mean they they the, the artwork in, in in the book and i can say this because i didn't draw any of it really is just absolutely stunning uh, it's the best part uh of the book and uh, would, would you mind if i uh, if i give the um the, the website for for where people can can read it oh, uh, it's, it's available in print uh, and if you like what you see on the website and would like to purchase it i would be very grateful for that um but I did put it online for free because, like I said, my main goal with this was uh, just to use it as a portfolio piece and for networking and marketing. And so if you go to www.clockworkcomic, all one word, no dash, uh, .com, then um, there it is. And there's a, there's a sidebar that has all of the, all of the stories and, and shows what artists are in it as well, and um, you will be good to go.
0: Great. What, uh, what cons, for example, are you going to be getting to that perhaps people can meet you
1: and talk to you? I don't know. Um, because I live in Indiana, and it's not a great place for for any of the the, the larger cons, you know what I mean? Right. So um, I am, I, I'm I'm going to be at, at the Summit City Con in Fort Wayne uh, next. Great show. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm going to be there next Saturday. Uh, I won't have a table there. I'll just be wandering around so that doesn't help any of your listeners at all. <laughs> um, uh, Held up
0: a big sign, so I'm <laughs> your,
1: Absolutely. That's that that is what I will do. Uh and I, I would like to make it out to New York. I went to I went to New York last year and, and I really loved it. Um I'd like to make it out there again. I went to Baltimore last year as well. I really liked that show. I don't think that's in the cards for me this year. So I don't really I don't really know yet.
0: Yeah, I, yeah. I, my my schedule for traveling is completely, you know, in the toilet for this year.
1: Right.
0: Um, but that happens. Um, but let's see. So we've got clockworkcomic.com Dot com mm-hmm. is where they can
1: find specifically that. And can can I run down the list of artists on that as well? Would you be? Okay I would that? love that. Uh, I have art in there from, uh, from Nikki Cook, uh, one of the founding members of, uh, of Activate and a really awesome artist. Uh, well, these, these guys are all awesome, so I'm going to be redundant if I say that for everyone. Uh, Sylvia DB, uh, a Brazilian comic book artist who is really fantastic. Uh, ben Dewey, uh, if any of your listeners are fans of the Tragedy series, uh, and if you aren't, you should be. Uh, ben Dewey is a gentleman who, who does those, and he did a, a, a space pirate story. Uh, in here, which is really cool. Uh, Ken Frederick, another comics experience uh, person, he did one. Uh, Jesse Hamm, who is also a uh, member of Periscope Studio along with Ben Dewey, he he did a story in there. And uh, Jesse has done some some really awesome stuff. He did a a graphic novel called um, Good as Lily with with Derek Kirkham. And and I I picked up a copy of it, and it was one of the things that I think would have gone under my radar if I hadn't. Known Jesse through this, and it was really awesome. And I mean, I would encourage people to check out his site as well because there's a lot of really beautiful stuff on there. Uh, Aaron Houston, uh, who I, I mentioned, he did the cover and the story X Row. Uh, Le- Leandro, I should have looked at this and figured out name pronunciations before I started. It's some of them more <laughs> tough, I
0: know.
1: Yeah. Uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce Leandro's last name, honestly, because I know I will get it wrong, but it's P.
0: Do? Uh, yeah.
1: P- P-A-N-G-A-N-I-B-A-N. He's from the Philippines. Uh, he did a really great story in there as well. Uh, Borch Pinya, a Spanish artist who is uh, really fantastic. Uh, Carl Peterson, another comics experience person who's, who has a really very cool style. I, I like Carl's stuff a lot. Uh, Juan Romero from Argentina. I'm actually working with Juan on another uh, creator-owned thing right now that you will hopefully be hearing more about at some point. Uh, Brett Brett Welderley, Um
0: love his work.
1: Yeah, he's fantastic. Who he did uh, the surrogates and uh, the light, spontaneous? A lot of really uh, oh, great amazing. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and then like I said, Matthew Wilson uh, colored the cover. So I mean, yeah, just just like I said, I was yeah. I, I was incredibly lucky to, to to work with artists of that. Caliber so early on, and you know what? I I'm sorry I skipped over somehow. I felt like I was reading someone. Uh, J. M. Uh Yeah, that would have been awful, but skipped him. Oh uh, no! Ar- no yes, from yes. I
0: Kill Giants.
1: Exactly the artist of I Kill Giants, who also did did a story in here, and and again just 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 blew it away. So. My
0: favorite graphic novel of all time.
1: Yeah. Oh so, yeah, that's why I, I was thinking. Wait a second, that that doesn't sound like a complete list. So I'm glad I figured that out.
0: Yeah, the, their names may be difficult, but they really are people that everyone needs to check out. Silvio, D Dee, is just in- incredible. And I've, you know, I've come, uh, you know, Amy Chu's comic and stuff are the only reasons that I know of him. It's like I would never have seen this name before. Right.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: And the most brilliant stuff, that, you know. It's great. Great for science fiction and, and sort of crime noir style stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's good. And um, let's see. They can find you also at uh, Government Comics, GOVT Comics.
1: Yes. Uh, a site which is updated at least once every five years or so.
0: About that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Um, and, of course, on the Twitter, right, yes. at Paul Aller. Yes. P-A-U-L-A-L-L-O-R. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh can I talk about my I, <laughs>
0: talk about whatever you want
1: I was gonna say I feel weird about just you know self promoting but
0: um but that's why we're here It <laughs> is an
1: interview so uh but I've also been doing a lot a lot of editing work uh, on creator own stuff that's I fun. know
0: and I think that's incredible
1: thanks um and yeah, I have some cool projects uh there. Uh, Rex Zombie Killer uh, which was written by Rob Anderson um, with art by Dafu Yu and um, yeah it's, it's, it's really
0: what a heartful story it's, that yes, is yes
1: it's, it's this incredibly quirky um, but also really really beautiful and touching story that those guys put together that basically asks the question of you know we've, we've all seen a lot of stories about the zombie apocalypse uh, it's what would happen to your pets after the zombie apocalypse, exactly. yeah, for
0: yeah, for the animal lovers out there, Rex, zombie hunter.
1: Yes, a zombie killer.
0: Zombie killer. Uh,
1: and yeah, I mean, it's got it's got zombies. It's got bikers. It has dogs, cats, and it has a gorilla with a baseball bat that kills zombies. So, I mean, really, that if that isn't something for everyone, I don't know. I don't know what is. And that just hit shops uh, this past week, but uh, due to the, um, the, the the diamond delays that are going on right now, some shops will be getting it, I think, right around the time that this will come out. So, uh, And also, you mentioned earlier, you talked to Amy Chu about her book, Girls' Night Out. I actually uh, edited that. And that was a lot of fun. So that's a collection of short comics with art from, like you said, Silvio D.B., uh, Cabral, Louis Chin, and Craig, C- Craig Young. And um, I was very... Very proud to, to to be a part of that. It's a really it's really a fantastic uh, collection of you know sort of stories that are there,
0: and, and each story is very different.
1: Yeah, yeah. I was gonna say that, that some, some of them are some of them are funny, some of them are wacky, some of them are heartfelt. It really goes across the range, but all of them are really really well done. Uh, and I, I think I have two more editing projects that I can talk about, and then a couple others that haven't really been announced yet. But um, uh, deluge, uh, which was uh, written by J.D. Oliva with art by Richard Clark, and it's it's a story it's it's a murder, uh, well not a murder story it's, it's a crime story. Crime story. Yes, it's, I uh, love
0: that book so yeah. much.
1: It's a crime story that takes place uh, immediately after Hurricane Katrina, uh, and it, it's just it's an incredibly exciting. Uh, it's
0: riveting. It's yeah, yeah, that deluge really. Yeah, yeah. Really it, find
1: it. It's an incredibly gripping story, and, and again, it has a lot of a lot of really great. Heart. I mean, this is a guy who really cares about about his characters um, and, and about presenting them very, very fully. Uh, and then the last one is uh, Gutter Magic, um, which is written by Rich Duick, uh and has art by Brett Barkley. And a lot of you may have seen the uh, the video teaser for this, which was up on. I'm, I'm bleeding cool. And, uh, I don't have the website for that off the top of my head. If I send it to you, will you put it on the, uh, I will the web definitely website?
0: add that to
1: the show notes. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. And yeah, basically the idea of that is that, uh, during world war two, uh, wizards had to, had to step in, um, and, and basically alter the course of history. And so it's, it's what's, what's happened to our world in, in the wake of that. So, and it's just, I, it's, it's, and it's very cool, very high concept, um, you know, fantasy, but but very fantasy that's grounded again. Grounded,
0: yeah, sort of Dresden ish.
1: In, in, in great characterizations and, and just a really great story. So, and thus ends my pimping of projects. That I
0: <laughs> that's awesome. Nice. That's why we're here. A-
1: cool. Um, all
0: right, Paul, thank you so much for all of your time. No Once again. It's, uh, you can find Paul on Twitter, at Paul Aller, and you can find me at Elizabeth Amber. And uh, you can, uh, of course, read everything you need to know about me at amberunmasked.com. Thanks so much for listening. Cheers.
1: Thanks.